Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via a text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. Well, good morning, everybody. Penny for your thoughts on a Thursday. Glad you're with us. December 27th. And it is not very nice out there. It is rainy. It is cold. Good day to be inside and uh, stick close to your radio. Glad you're with us. However, wherever you might be listening today on this Thursday, my name is Brian Barnhart with you today and tomorrow. I'll be off on Monday and Tuesday of next week, back at it next Wednesday. And then uh, the Big Ten basketball season gets into gear. We'll do a little bit of broadcast from the road next week at Indiana. But a uh, busy show today, and basically, you know, as uh, is often the case, a lot of people are off between Christmas and New Year's, so... Uh, no guest planned today, just open line time. I do have a couple of interviews uh like to play for you in just uh, four or five minutes of a couple of my favorite interviews from during the course of the year. We may sprinkle those in as we uh, work our way through this morning up until 11 o'clock. But we'll tell you about those here if we get a chance and uh, move through the show. President Trump goes to Iraq. Apparently he's back. Just saw an AP story a few minutes ago that he has landed back at uh, in the U.S. after visiting the troops and uh, leaders over there in Iraq. Government shutdown, at least the partial shutdown. I think it's uh, 70% of the government is up and running. It's the other 30%, 30-35%, I think, is uh, what is shut down. I found, uh, I went looking, I just Googled today, and there's a lot of articles out there, you can Google this yourself too, but it was like, so who is essential and who's non-essential? When they say that, and I think it's not the actual term. I think it's accepted or not accepted or like EX uh, accepted, but uh, it's in common everyday language. It's essential and non-essential. So who is essential? Who's non-essential? We may get into that. Uh, When it comes to the IRS, it's pretty interesting who is deemed essential and who is deemed (laughs) non-essential. I think you'll find that interesting. And you'll go, oh, no kidding. Uh, the Dow goes up a thousand points. I think it's down about three hundred or so this morning. What a wild ride on Wall Street! Retail sales, the best in six years. You've heard a lot of talk about the wall. Well, when you go back and uh, there's an interesting column I read today about the southern border fencing strategy. This goes back all the way to 2003 or 2006, actually, when there was some immigration measures that worked their way through the House and the Senate. And the Gang of Eight, remember that? Remember who was in the Gang of Eight? Four Republicans, senators, four Democratic senators. And just how the situation, the debate over a fence or amnesty or immigration reform, how it's moved to this point and where we are now is tied into the shutdown. It's pretty interesting. And who voted for what years ago and who's not voting for what now. Pretty interesting. Uh, today in history, I went back, found an article, may or may not get to this today, but some of the uh, predictions and voices the uh, Chicago Tribune did from 50 years ago at the end of 1968 
There's a couple of things in there I found interesting that pertain to today. There's also a great story out there. You may have seen it about uh, what I'd call the dad of the year and all the things he did to be with his daughter on Christmas. She happened to be working. We'll get into that. And I also found a list, as we work our way through this Thursday, of uh, cars, some very popular brands of cars that are not going to be continued after the 2019 models are out. I think you'll find this list. You probably have some of these. You may be driving one today. We'll see. So all of that uh, will mix in a few things along the way, but uh, pretty much your show today, if you have something you want to uh, talk about, discuss, kick around a little bit, that you're happy about, maybe a great story from Christmas, anything like that. We'll do it on an open line here today for these two hours today. Tomorrow we'll do another hour of open line. And then the second hour tomorrow is the last hour of the last Friday of the month. And in this case, the last Friday of the year, of this calendar year, we'll have Flashback Friday in hour number two tomorrow. Glad you're with us. Stay dry. Stay warm. We'll get it started here on a Thursday after this on Penny for Your Thoughts. On a wet, wet Thursday here, and it's going to be gusty. Good day to uh, stay indoors, listen to WDWS, go to a movie theater. I mean, it's a good day to be inside. A lot of folks are off. Glad you're with us wherever. A lot of people stream us. You can do that, too, of course. You can email us, talk at WDWS.com. Text us, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515 and you can email us, talk at WDWS.com. Windy and mild today, but a high of 54, chance of rain near 100%. Meteorologists never say that, near 100%, unless it's really going to rain. They always hedge their bets a little bit. You know, you'll see 20 30%, 40% here and there. Sprinkles possible, but near 100% chance of rain. That's what we've had all morning. So you knew it was going to be wet today. I'm passed on the, the highway by a semi, and, of course, you've got to put the wipers up on high to fight your way through the rain and the, what's being splashed on your car. So it's that kind of day today. Phone number, you can join us, 3569397, and you can uh, text us, 3515357. May sprinkle in some interviews along the way here that we did during the year, kind of a best. It's uh, three, four, five minutes each of uh, some of my favorite uh, guests during the course of this year. Also came across an article uh, the uh, vehicles that will be done in 2019. You're going to say goodbye to Chevrolet, Ford, and uh, Nissan cars. It's all part of a sweeping shift into SUVs and crossovers, which offer more space, a higher stance, and fuel economy that's vastly better than a decade ago. They say about one in two vehicles sold in 2019 will be SUVs or crossovers, according to projections by car buying advice site Edmunds. They say uh, primarily it's a shift away from passenger cars, compacts, hatchbacks, those types of vehicles, says the senior managing editor of Kelly Blue Book. Several vehicles that are being put out of their misery are hybrids of some form, which Americans have been reluctant to buy with gasoline below $3 per gallon since 2014. In some cases here, it's been below $2 a gallon, although yesterday I think the price of oil jumped a bunch yesterday with the big uh, buying stretch there on Wall Street. Oil stocks were up. 
But uh, I've got a few of those cars that we will tell you about uh, as we welcome back some vehicles that are coming back. In 2019, Ford will revive the Ranger pickup. Toyota reviving the uh, Supra sports car, and Honda brings back the Passport SUV. So those are coming back. But a couple of the cars not coming back, one is the Ford Taurus. I think all of us at one point had a Ford Taurus, right? It's not the first time Ford decided in production of this large sedan, but it could be the last. Large cars are falling out of favor. At one point, the Taurus was one of the most popular cars in America. Those days are long gone. So Ford Taurus is done after 2019. And also the Ford Focus. This compact sedan perishing as Ford pivots its focus toward SUVs and pickups. Ford had only 12,000 Focus cars left as of early December. They say get it while you can. So there's a couple there. 916 here at DWS. Interesting column by Byron York today. Washington Examiner talks about the southern border fencing strategy. Goes back to 2006 when Congress passed the Secure Fence Act, which mandated the construction of multi-layer pedestrian fencing along about 600 miles of the U.S.-Mexican border. This is 2006. It passed with big bipartisan majorities, 283 votes in the House, 80 votes in the Senate. Some top Democrats still in the Senate today supported the fence. Then Chuck Schumer, Dianne Feinstein, Rod Wyden, Debbie Stabenow, and Sherrod Brown. In 2013, Congress got back into the fence game. The Gang of Eight Comprehensive Immigration Reform Bill included something called the Southern Border Fencing Strategy. called for 700 miles of at least single-layer pedestrian fencing along the border. It wasn't a standalone measure either. The fence was to be part of a broader package of border security measures alongside provisions that would create a process by which the nation's 11 million illegal immigrants at the time would ultimately gain a path to citizenship. With citizenship in the deal, even citizenship that would take a decade to achieve in some cases, the uh, Gang of Eight bill, as it was known, passed in the Senate with 68 votes. This is back in uh, 2013. In the House, and the reason it didn't uh, get out of the House was the Republican leadership blocked the Gang of Eight bill from coming to a vote. The overwhelming majority of House Democrats at the time were said to be in favor of it. So the belief is there been no, there would be no doubt that the bill had it been put to a vote. House Democrats, like their counterparts in the Senate, would have supported the fencing provision. Part of that at the time, a key part of the deliberations inside the Gang of Eight, and we're going back five years here, Republicans felt burned by the 1986 immigration reform bill, which called for the government to grant amnesty to illegal immigrants and institute new border security measures. The amnesty happened, but the security did not. So many years later, when the Gang of Eight was negotiated, Republicans insisted security measures actually be implemented and in place before an amnesty or legalization or path to citizenship was granted. Now, the Gang of Aid said that border security measures, including the fence, had to be funded and built before those illegal immigrants could be given permanent legal residence in the U.S. goes on to write out what was in the bill. Part of it said the, uh, they had to submit to the President and Congress a written certification that the southern border fencing strategy has been submitted to Congress and implemented 
And as a result, the secretary will certify that there is place along the southern border no fewer than 700 miles of pedestrian fencing. According to the Border Patrol now, the U.S.-Mexico border is nearly 2,000 miles long. There are now 354 miles of single fence along the border, 37 miles of double-deep fence, and 14 miles of three-deep fencing for a total of 405 miles of pedestrian fencing. In addition, there are 300 miles currently of vehicle fencing, which keeps cars and trucks from crossing the border but allows people to move freely. Anyway, so if you want to read the entire article, I'm not going to read it all to you, but just kind of gives you the sample, the highlights, Byron York's column today in the Washington Examiner, tracing all of this back, of course, remember the big debates in 2006 on all of this when President Bush was in office, then in 2013, and uh, it went from there. Pretty interesting who was uh, in the gang of eight, and uh, some of those, one of those was uh, Dick Durbin of Illinois was in that uh, gang of eight back then. Three five six nine three nine seven. You can join us. The government shutdown. Who's essential? Who is uh, non-essential? I found this interesting. Uh, that uh, with the IRS, when it comes to who is essential and who is not essential, uh, the IRS divides it up. And I've got a little story on that uh, in regards to the IRS tax collectors says, delinquent taxpayers who may be cheering on the partial federal shutdown that includes the Treasury Department and the IRS should think again. It says, because an IRS contingency plan drawn up in anticipation of a shutdown considers tax collecting essential to activities necessary to safeguard human life or protect government property. As a result, nearly 10,000 IRS auditors, criminal investigators, and top executives are still on the job. That accounts for about 12% of the nearly 80,000 agency workers. Among the key group of federal workers not furloughed by the ongoing shutdown are tax collectors. And it goes on to say the functions suspended in a shutdown, they say, this is according to the Washington Journal, Washington Examiner, Functions suspended in a shutdown, these are the ones that will not be operating because of the shutdown, issuing refunds, <laughs> processing Form 1040X amended returns, all audit functions and examination of returns suspended, processing paper tax returns that do not include remittances, that do include remittances, and taxpayer services such as answering taxpayer questions. Those are furloughed and suspended right now, but still operating. The processing of returns with payments, processing disaster relief transcripts, e-filing up to the point of refunds, design and printing of tax forms, certain civil and criminal tax cases, and active criminal investigations. I guess the bottom line is furloughed workers right now with a shutdown are the ones that are handing out refunds. They're, they're not working. The ones who are working are the ones who are collecting. What a shock, huh? <laughs> All right, 922. I just, those are pretty interesting to me. Anyway, any, uh, any thoughts on any of that? If you have something else you want to bring up, we'll do open line time here today up until 11 o'clock, 356-9397. You can join us on the phone lines. Kind of a depressing day out there. I mean, it's dark, it's wet. So uh, you can join us. Give us a call. Give us a text, an email. We'll rejoin you after this break here on Penny for Your Thoughts, News Talk 1400. DWS. Stay tuned. 
All right, 926 news headlines coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Yeah, the Gang of Eight I was talking about. Here are the members. This is back in 2013. This is an immigration bill that passed in the year 2013 in the Senate, 68 to 32. 14 Republicans joining all the Democrats. It was Senator Michael Bennett, Democrat of Colorado, Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois, Senator Jeff Flake. Remember, his uh, his name came up here recently, of course, with all the Kavanaugh hearings. Jeff Flake, Republican of Arizona. Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina. John McCain was on the Gang of Eight, Republican from Arizona. Robert Menendez, Democrat of New Jersey. Marco Rubio, Republican of Florida. And Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York. So it was four senators from each party, four Democrats, four Republicans, and again, uh, they wrote the first draft of the Border Security, Economic Opportunity, Immigration Modernization Act of 2013, passed the Senate. U.S. House of Representatives under Speaker John Boehner at the time did not act on the bill. It expired at the end of the 113th Congress. And so uh, what? They, I guess they kicked the can down the road, and here we are with all that's happened here in Washington, D.C., with the uh, shutdown and the government and the wall. And a president, new president, of course, President Trump now, and is uh, completing his second year. 927 here at DWS. Husband and wife team at Keller Williams, Steve and Pam Starwalt. Rare to have a husband and wife team selling real estate, but uh, they do it. They grew up in this area. They graduated locally. They know the Champaign-Urbana area very well. Uh, I've known Steve, uh, kind of a side job for him. He sets up all the headsets for the uh, coaches, line coaches, both in the booth and on the sideline so they can hear each other during the course of the game. But uh, Pam and Steve work together in real estate. Pam, in fact, has completed training and earned a certificate, makes her a senior real estate specialist. So you're, uh, if you're at a time of life, maybe you're downsizing. Uh, she's uh, extra trained in that to uh, assist you through that. If you're looking to sell, give them a call. They can meet with you with no obligation on your end to discuss your time frame and urgency to sell. From the selling process, home inspection, Appraisal process and closing, Steve and Pam with you the entire way. They're the husband and wife team, same people on the same page with you throughout the home buying and selling process. Their number is uh, 217-239-7156, 217-239-7156. You can Google Pam, you can Google Steve, you can Google Starwalt. You want to go that route, S-T-A-R-W-A-L-T, if you can't remember the phone number. But they are at Keller Williams. They wish you, of course, a happy new year, success, in 2019, happy holidays and all of that from uh, Stephen Pam Starwalt at Keller Williams, one of our sponsors here on Penny for Your Thoughts. Got some more uh, cars to look at that will be discontinued in 2019. Great story about a dad and his daughter. And also we'll uh, maybe throw in one of our uh, favorite interviews of the year. Alan Dershowitz came to town earlier this year. Well-known attorney, of course, lawyer, was involved in the O.J. Simpson case all those years ago, and he spoke at the University of Illinois. We'll have that for you after the news here with Tim Dittman at the bottom of the hour. So uh, Tim Dittman is here with the news headlines and continuing to bring us all the uh, top stories of the year. Yeah, that's been fun. Yeah. National and local. National, state, and local. Uh, what yeah. are we up to now? How many have we got left? Well, we're doing them today and tomorrow and then Monday. Okay. So uh, locally, today we're in October. We're okay. do, so we're doing month by month. Month by month. So okay. October and then tomorrow is November. And in fact, tomorrow uh, we're, we're doing, um, it's going to be all election tomorrow, all about mm-hmm. the November midterms. So the local results, the state results, the national results. Okay. 
and then Monday we'll wrap it up. We'll look forward to it. Very good. You're working through all this. It's fun. No time off for Tim. <laughs> it's all fun. Right. Okay. Hey, we'll uh, let you go. News headlines. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. All right, we're back. Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS. Really enjoyed uh, here being with you uh, this week. On Penny for your thoughts. And uh, 356-9397 is our phone number. You can join us here. You can text us, Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. Been about a year since we started doing this full-time. So, uh, completing year number one. Next week, by the way, we will start the uh, year. With January 1st, I'll be off. January 2nd, we'll have uh, gentleman Scott Bennett. You may have heard him on the morning show with Dave Gentry at times during the last year. He said he's never been on Penny. So we're going to make that happen. Uh, Democrat state senator, <clears throat> as they get ready to head back to Springfield here shortly with a new governor and all of that. Uh, but also his uncle, Tom Bennett, who is a Republican House member. So we got someone from the Democratic Party, from the Republican Party, their family members, one's in the Senate, one's in the House. So we'll do that on January 2nd in the 9 a.m. hour. Let's go to the phones to Ward. Hi, Ward. Good morning, Brian. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I was feeling nostalgic, and I wanted to take you down memory lane if I could. Yes. I know you're not a car guy, but I had a 64 and a half Mustang, and when I came back to school, I couldn't afford to keep it. And I sold it to my good friend, Joe Daggett, whose radio name on 1400 was Joe McKenna. Is that right? Yeah, he, I think he had an afternoon program. He was there for several years as super nice guy and he then left and we lost track of each other i wondered if anyone at the station or any of the older listeners remembered him knew anything about him hmm. he may be a serial killer for all i know but i think he's probably done really well i'm guessing he did yeah wow so he would have been on in the um in the 60s this would have been 1966 okay when he purchased the car 65 66 and i think he hung around for another year or so and then i'm not i can't recall he went to another radio station hmm. but i don't recall where interesting just curious if anyone i mean i'm only taking you back 52 years Brian. <laughs> <laughs> come on well you shouldn't have sold the 60 was a 64 mustang it was 64 and a half yeah isn't that worth something today well that's why <laughs> i was thinking about wondering if Perchance he had kept it, but I, yeah. Uh, yeah. But when you can't afford to have hold the car, why it doesn't matter what it's uh, worth. That's right. At the time, you're not thinking about that. Yeah, that's right. Wow. All right. So well, well yeah. We'll see if anybody knows or remembers. All right. Will you have a happy new year? You're doing a great job. Thank you, Ward. I appreciate okay. it. All right. Yep. Bye. Good to hear from you. Three five six nine three nine seven. We're talking about cars being discontinued. Twenty nineteen models. Ford Taurus, Ford Focus. I think we've all had some of those. He's talking about a 64 and a half uh, Mustang. How about the Chevrolet Impala? Like the Taurus, this large sedan once occupied prime real estate in the American automotive landscape. 
Despite a critically acclaimed redesign earlier this decade, it couldn't overcome the sedan segment's demise. So after 2019, with that model, no more Chevy Impalas. Chevrolet Cruze, C-R-U-Z-E. GM bet big on this compact sedan earlier this decade. It paid off for a while, but sales have suffered during the SUV boom. Its demise has placed GM's plant in Lordstown, Ohio, at serious risk of closing. And we talked about the uh, Chevy Volt a little bit. Built as an emblem of GM's engineering prowess and pivot toward alternative propulsion vehicles, this vehicle essentially invented the concept of the plug-in hybrid. It was critically acclaimed and generated a loyal base of enthusiasts, but sales never reached initial expectations, and GM is turning its attention to battery-powered cars that don't have a backup gas generator like the Volt. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, the uh, Chevy Volt no longer to be made. John is with us. Hey, John, good morning. Hi, Brian. How you doing? Happy holidays. Yeah, you too. A good new year. I appreciate what the commander did. He went to visit the troops, which I thought that was that was wonderful, and uh, that's great. But uh, I wanted to say also the uh, Chevy Vault was the one that bailed GM out with the uh, all the stuff that was going on. But uh, now they're going to discontinue. But what broke my heart is the the, the bug. Yeah. Now we get rid of the the bug is a state. I'll tell you what. There used to be an orange one running around town. Uh, orange convertible, I think it was about an 82, had a convertible top. That, believe it or not, is my dream car. An <laughs> uh, 82 bug with a convertible. 82 bug. Wow. 82 bug convertible. Had one in Germany when I was stationed over there. I thought that thing was classic. <laughs> well, that's that's another one they're discontinuing. You mentioned it, Volkswagen Beetle. This two-door car is yep. one of the most iconic silhouettes in the auto industry, but Americans... Don't want to hunch over to get into their cars anymore. <laughs> nope. Now, there's a couple of uh, Volkswagen uh, vans or buses, whatever you call them, still running around in Champagne. But uh, they were also looking at, GM was looking at uh, bringing, remember the old Chevy, um, it looks like a van, but it's a truck also. They were thinking about trying to bring that back. Really? Yeah, and I was hmm. like, wow, you know. Anything to make money, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is but, interesting. Hey. It's, it's interesting how the trends come and go, you know. I mean, you had Tauruses and Cruises and Impalas and Focuses. I mean, they were everywhere. Everybody had one of those. It is. But if you notice, Brian, now when I grew up, I'm 63. When I grew up, every time you opened the door, there was a little stagecoach emblem down at the bottom of the car said, Body by Fisher. They don't put that in cards anymore. But if you look at a lot of the cars, there's so much similarity. Uh, that new uh, Hyundai Genesis looked like a BMW's 740. Hmm. They realized all those bodies are designed by one company and shipped off, and they're just a few changes. They used to do that a long time ago because the Plymouth Fury for 64 would come out uh, in 65 as a Plymouth Belvedere. They did that all the way up to almost the muscle car image, and a lot of people just didn't think about it. Hmm. So your ex, your old theory will become the next year Belvedere. <laughs> hey, that, that's the that's, way it works. That's, the, that's the way it works. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Have hey, a good day. Nice thank, program. Yep. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Three five six. Happy New Year to you. Three five six nine three nine seven. Uh, everybody's looking back at the last year. News stories. Newsrooms doing that in the Gazette online and so forth. I thought I just. I've got just. These are three, four, five minutes. Some of my favorite interviews of the year. Alan Dershowitz uh, came to town earlier this year. Uh, Alan Dershowitz spoke at the University of Illinois the week of April the 26th, talking about the Mueller investigation. And a couple of these things you're going to hear here are pretty, um, pretty interesting how he almost predicted what's unfolding right now in the legal drama with the uh, president and surrounding his administration. Here's my conversation with Alan Dershowitz from April 26th. Alan Dershowitz is with us here for a few minutes on Penny for Your Thoughts. He's speaking Thursday night, 730 at Follinger Auditorium at the University of Illinois. His visit sponsored by the Geese College of Business, program in constitutional theory, history, and law at the College of Law and the Chabad Center for Jewish Life at the U of I. Have you been out to Champaign before to speak at the at the U of I? You know, I'm, I'm almost 80 years old, so I don't remember every place in the world I've spoken I have a recollection of being there, but quite some time ago. I certainly haven't been there in the last several years. Yeah. Well, let's touch on a couple of the uh, issues of the day. I know you've been a, uh, a sure. person who has been uh, very critical of the president in several ways, but you've also been critical of the special prosecutor, Robert Mueller, that whole process. Uh, it's not always that way. Usually uh, people are kind of one or the other. They're very much for Trump and against Mueller or vice versa, but you seem to be... Uh, the umpire in this situation, if we will, kind of calling it a, a, as you see it, right? Well, I try to only talk about the civil liberties issues, not the political issues. And I'm saying the same thing I said when they went after Bill Clinton, when they went after Hillary Clinton, Bob Menendez, Tom DeLay. I don't like using the criminal law as a weapon, a political weapon, to go after one's opponents. And so I argue against it, whoever the target happens to be. And when it's the target of somebody my friends like, hey, they love, you know, what I'm doing. When it's somebody they don't like, suddenly they don't like what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, you have to develop a thick skin if you're in this. These uh, special counsels, they tend to go on and on and on. Uh, is this going to end at some point with Robert Mueller? Well, I think, I think the Mueller part of the investigation is drawing to an end. I've, I've said I think we're at the seventh inning stretch in the Mueller investigation, but I think we're just beginning the second inning in the Southern District investigation, which is about the president, we think, pre-presidential activities, business, and the alleged uh, affairs with women, and the non-disclosure deals. I think we have a long way to go before that's wrapped up. And where does the, uh, with Michael Cohen's situation, his personal attorney, where does all that fit in? Well, I would hope that Judge Kimber Wood, who was my former student, would do the right thing and say, look, I should be looking at all these seized materials or somebody under my authority, somebody in the judicial branch of the government, not an FBI agent or a prosecutor as part of a tank team. Because the fear is, if you let prosecutors and FBI agents look at material, it turns out to be lawyer-client privilege or priest penitent privilege or husband-wife or doctor. You know, they can leak it, and they can also, by a wink and a nod, tell prosecutors how to use it. It's very dangerous to use prosecutors and FBI agents as part of a tank team. The tank team should be judicial people who don't leak. Yeah, and the leaks have been a huge problem for a long time, as you know, in the political yeah. world. But uh, the criminalization, you know, angle of all of this, you mentioned the criminalization of politics. I mean, to me, that's a, yeah. that's a dangerous slope to get on. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I wrote a book called Trumped Up, Why the Criminalization of Political Differences Endangers Democracy. And a lot of people are reading it and calling me and emailing me and telling me they really hadn't thought about that. And this, you know, makes a nonpartisan point that using criminal law against political enemies is wrong, regardless of what side of the political spectrum they're on. Alan Dershowitz with us for a couple more minutes here on Penny for Your Thoughts. Again, he's speaking Thursday night at the University of Illinois at Foldinger Auditorium. We're thrilled that he's on with us here for a few minutes as he uh, gets into town for the uh, Thursday night event. You've also been critical of the president in, in regards to immigration, uh, the uh, issues there. Uh, give me what your thoughts on that, I guess. Well, I think we need a reasonable immigration policy. I don't think we should just open our doors to anybody who wants to come into the country, but I do think that it's important that we not um, throw young people out whose parents came here when they were very, very young, who lived all their lives in America. And so, you know, I support the DACA approach that allows young people to stay. But the important thing is to understand that we're a nation of immigrants. We benefited enormously from immigration. And we ought not to be closing the doors. You know, there was a very <coughs> great cart a comic, um, a Russian uh, guy uh, who came to America, um, uh, Smirnov, I think his name was, and he used to have a, a stick where he went to the Statue of Liberty and he said, thank you, Statue of Liberty, for taking me and my family in and rescuing us from the Soviet Union. Now what can we do about keeping the rest of those damn immigrants out? Uh, you know, we can't have that attitude. Uh, Many of us came to this country, to our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, who emigrated to this country, worked hard and gave us the opportunities. And I think we have to be more sympathetic to uh, immigrants, but we have to have rules. We can't just let everybody cross over the border. That was Alan Dershowitz. Uh, had him on the air with us on April 26th, and he uh, spoke that week at the University of Illinois. I actually attended that. So several folks I knew that attended. It was a great presentation. So I just thought uh, it was interesting. Uh, Michael Cohen was in there, the immigration uh, debate at the time, which, of course, has continued and spilled over into the new year now in 2019, uh, and the Mueller investigation, all still ongoing. So just thought that was interesting. 9.48 here on Penny for Your Thoughts, uh, looking back at the past year. We continue to look at some of the vehicles that are being uh, discontinued after 2019, essential and non-essential employees. That was something I came across today. The U.S. holiday shopping season, the best in six years. And a dad that did just about everything he could to be with his daughter on Christmas Day. All that up for discussion today. We'll uh, mix that in here. Just kind of a potpourri Thursday today on Penny for Your Thoughts. And we'll continue with more of your phone calls, emails, and texts after this. Yeah, and the coach of the uh, Florida Atlantic Owls, as they're known, is Dusty May who was a student manager for the Indiana Hoosiers in 2000. And he's worked his way up from student manager to now head coach at Florida Atlantic. They'll be in here 2 o'clock on Saturday. Atlanta women play Friday night at 7. Dave Lone has the play-by-play of that at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. All right, a couple of other cars that were uh, are going to be discontinued after 2019. The Hyundai Azera, I think is how you say it, A-Z-E-R-A. This attempt at a luxury sedan never panned out. The Korean automaker pivoted its luxury efforts toward an altogether new brand called Genesis, which is struggling to gain sales traction as well. And the Honda CRZ, this compact hybrid, had bad timing entering the market just as hybrid sales were falling off a cliff. Those are a couple more of the vehicles being discontinued 
with the 2019 model year. Back to the phones we go to Bob. Hey, Bob, good morning. Morning. I just had to throw this story about this car when I first got back here out of high school with my dad getting out of the service in 1961. Okay. Right at Springfield and Maine. I seen this yellow Thunderbird convertible, the middle top convertible. Yep. Continental, continental wheel on the back, the whole works mint shape. And the guys working there, that there was a little gas station right there set between Maine and uh, Springfield. The guy says, you better buy that get a chance. He says, I just can't touch it. He says, I don't have the money. I said, how much they want for it? 2700 <laughs> That same vehicle within two years was worth $100,000. <laughs> I tried to get my dad to loan me the money because I was working part-time jobs. But I said, I'll pay you back. He would not do it. Mm. <laughs> and I'd never forget that. You know, that that was a collector's item. It's been in parades, like Fort July parades and other parades, kept in the garage, and her husband passed away. She had no idea how much it was worth. Missed opportunity. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> missed, yeah I really missed that opportunity. Dad too stubborn to lend me $2,700 back then, which wasn't that much for me to pay you back. Yeah. So I just had to tell you about that. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that, Bob, and have a great new year. You too. All right. Thank you. Bet 2019 upon us here. 2019. We were just doing Y2K, weren't we? A couple years ago. All right. Uh, A couple other cars here. The uh, four vehicles. The Ford C-Max being discontinued after 2019. This model offered in hybrid and plug-in versions. Had a strong run out of the gate, but eventually fell prey to the same industry trends that undermined the CRZ. The uh, Toyota Prius V, the uh, large version of the Prius Hybrid, hasn't been manufactured since the 2017 model year, but it's still registering sales. I hadn't heard about this one. The Nissan Juke. Nissan's quirky subcompact crossover is given away to a new little crossover called the Nissan Kicks. And I'm not a car. I don't know a whole lot about cars. My my family can tell you that. I, I don't know one from the other very much. Cadillac CT6 and XTS also discontinued 2019. These large uh, luxury sedans were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Luxury buyers with this much money to spend and a desire for space are buying SUVs. And the uh, Cadillac ATS, this compact luxury sedan designed as a competitor to industry stalwarts such as the BMW 3 Series. It couldn't overcome the Cadillac brand struggles and the compact sedan segment's implosion. Uh, This list we just mentioned includes vehicles that have recently ended production or are poised to end production in the coming months. The list does not include every discontinued vehicle. It is based on research by IHS, Edmonds, Kelly Blue Book, USA Today, and the Detroit Free Press. So you can check all that out, Detroit Free Press, or any of those locations if you want to see more on that. Anyway, I found that interesting. 955 here at DWS on this wet Thursday. Man, is it dark out there. We're back after this. Is the season. We got Big Ten play coming up for the women. Big Ten men play at Indiana next week after the game on Saturday. 
There are some bowl games today. There were some bowl games last night. I don't know if you saw Minnesota defeated Georgia Tech. Paul Johnson's last game at Georgia Tech. And the uh, Quick Lane Bowl up in Detroit did not look heavily attended up there in Detroit, but uh, there were a few Gopher fans there. They won 34-10. to That's the same Minnesota team Illinois blew out. Remember that earlier this year? Uh, also, TCU beat Cal in overtime. How about this one? In overtime, 10-7. to <laughs> In overtime. And uh, the Boston College Boise State game. How'd you like to be? Uh, we went to this bowl. This is a different name then. Now it's the first responder bowl in Dallas. And uh, Boston College and Boise State played a quarter and then had to stop because of lightning. So you make all those plans, go down to Dallas, spend the week, and you play a quarter and you're done. But it got postponed or canceled anyway because of lightning. Independence Bowl is today. Temple at 8-4 and four against Duke, 7-5. and five. The Wisconsin Badgers play at the uh, Pinstripe Bowl out at Yankee Stadium. That would be a fun one to go to, I think. Wisconsin and Miami. And then the uh, Texas Bowl, which we were in a few years ago, down in uh, Houston, Baylor against Vanderbilt. Music City Bowl in Nashville tomorrow. Purdue plays in that one. So those are some of the uh, games upcoming, more bowl games to follow. And we'll have a little bit of news on the um, getting ready in Times Square, New York, for the New Year's Eve ball with the uh, Waterford Crystal. We'll update you on that here in the next hour. And also maybe another one of our favorite interviews from the past year. We'll sprinkle those in throughout the show today. Any thoughts on any or all of that, any of the current events, certainly on an open line that is uh, welcome here today. Stay dry. Stay with us. The news is next. WDWS Champaign-Urbana. It is 10 a.m. Central Time at the Tone. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. Hour number two, Penny for Your Thoughts, News Talk 1400 DWS on this uh, wet, rainy, make sure you have your umbrella day. Hopefully, if you don't have to work, you're just staying inside and cozying up next to the radio or streaming, however you hear us here on Penny for Your Thoughts, 356-9397. You can email us, talk at WDWS.com. You can always text us. That's uh, usually pretty busy. Uh, 217-351-5357, presented by Castle Heating and Cooling. We touched on a variety of topics today. Just kind of an open line, potpourri today. We had uh, played an interview for you we did earlier this year with Alan Dershowitz. We have another interview here that will sprinkle in uh, one of my favorites from this past year since we've been on the air. I saw that workers are going to be installing the new uh, 192 new Waterford Crystal Triangles this morning on the Times Square New Year's Eve ball. The ball that you see drop is 12 feet in diameter, weighs 11,875 pounds, and features a total of 2,688 Waterford Crystal Triangles. Getting ready for New Year's Eve and the new year 2019. And we also touched on the uh, big increase in sales, the uh, part of what drove the $1,000 gain yesterday, biggest one-day gain ever in the Wall Street, uh, the market yesterday. 
in the Dow. NASDAQ was also up. Right now, the Dow is down 400. So these wild swings. Amazon shares jumped as much as 5%. Those of uh, Kohl's Corporation rose 4.2%. Macy's went up 3.6%. Nordstrom increased uh, 3%. Target and Walmart rose over 1%. That was part of what drove the market yesterday. 5.1% sales growth included in-store and online sales between November 1st and December 24th. Those numbers came out. The National Retail Federation had forecast uh, holiday uh, retail sales to rise between 4.3 and 4.8, so they were better than expected. Again, this is what's what fueled a lot of the uh, optimism yesterday with all the buying. Online sales uh, posted strong gains as well, went up 19.1%. That was uh, from Spending Pulse Retail Report. So we touched on that a little bit the first hour, some of the history of the discussion over the uh, border wall. We went into some of that all the way back to 2006. Of course, between Christmas and New Year's is uh, big for holiday basketball tournaments, high school. Sports editor Matt Daniels is in here. How are you doing? I'm Good. great. Are you updating scores? I am. Yeah. I just got finished uh, throwing a few scores on, on the website there for our holiday tournament scoreboard, and we will be updating that uh, for the next, oh, 13 hours or so today. So uh, it's jam-packed, but uh, lots of high school basketball going on across the state. And today's the biggest day, right? Yeah, today today's usually, typically the biggest day. You've got uh, vaunted tournaments like the Centralia Holiday Tournament tipping off. Champaign Central boys are down there. They actually played the, the opener this morning against Thornton Fractional North and, and pulled off a 44-39 win. So they're into the quarterfinals tomorrow. You've got the, the Pontiac Holiday Tournament uh, underway as well. Uh, Danville boys are over there. They're the third seed. Uh, they should tip off in about 30, 40 minutes or so. Uh, Chicago Simeon and Lockporter playing the first game over there, and, and that game just went to overtime. So, uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of action across the state and multiple locations all throughout the great state of Illinois. Boys and girls, right? Boys and girls, yeah. I mean, you look over at Monticello, uh, they've got a boys and girls tournament, uh, the Holiday Hoopla. Uh, that tips off at, uh, tipped off about 10 minutes ago, both boys and girls, and they've got games going on all day, and the, the title games are tomorrow night. And, uh, yeah, there's just – if you're – Looking for high school basketball in the state of <laughs> Illinois this week, uh, you don't have to look very far. Yeah, I'm just looking at all the different places. Kansas, Holiday Tournament, mm-hmm. Pontiac, you mentioned Centralia, Legends of Winter, Round Ball Classic, St. Louis U, mm-hmm. State Farm Holiday Classic for the big schools and the small schools. Um, man, it just goes on and on here. Yeah, exactly. And, and over in Bloomington Normal, the, the State Farm Holiday Classic, uh, they've got 64 teams there. Split into to large school and small school, both on the boys and girls side. Uh, we've got St. Joseph Ogden, St. Thomas More, Muhammad Seymour boys are over there. Oakwood girls are over there. Uh, Decatur Eisenhower starts a girls tournament today with Urbana, Muhammad Seymour, Champaign Central Unity, some of the local schools over there. Uh, there's just so many games. This is the busiest week of the high school basketball season by far, and it's it's draining at times just with so much basketball going on, but it's also really fun just because you've got so many games in, in such a short amount of time. And to see these teams, this is kind of the you know the midway point of the season. You get a really good feel for, for what teams could make a run to, to state later on in the season. So we don't have 70 different reporters, so no. how do you get all these scores? Uh, yeah, the the Internet's a great thing these days. So is social media. Uh, Twitter's a, a useful resource. Colin Likas, our preps coordinator, He's going to be out in uh, in Broadlands this afternoon, the BSN Classic. It's a 12-team tournament co-hosted by Heritage High School and Bismarck Henning, Rossville, Alvin High School. He'll be at a few games this afternoon. 
I'll be here throughout the day and night. Uh, Scott Ritchie, who covers Illinois for us, he's going to be helping out on the prep side tonight as well, just uh, getting all these scores and results so we can update uh, our scoreboard at newsgazette.com and also get a comprehensive coverage in, in Friday's News Gazette as well. Okay. Well, it's great coverage. I mean, uh, look at that scoreboard. It's like, wow, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, there's a, lot of there's a, there's a ton of stuff going on, and uh, we had our photo staff over at Monticello yesterday. Uh, I know we're going to go over to Heritage this afternoon and then uh, up to Bismarck tonight for a girls' tournament, so we'll have uh, every angle covered that we can. Okay. Thanks, Matt. No problem, I'll let Brian. you get Thank back you. to work. All right, Thank sounds you. good. All right, <laughs> Matt Daniels, sports editor, covering the high school scene. I mean, you just look in the paper today or online. Wow. I mean, it's just, you got to get, you know, you got to look at it close. May need your reading glasses for some of it, but, uh, I mean, wow. There's a lot of coverage in there. So uh, check all that out. This is a lot of fun. I mean, parents, you know, you're going to games, you're running to and from games. I'm sure that's keeping everybody busy. 10 14. Here at DWS, 356-9397 is our phone number. You can text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 3515-357, and email us, talk at WDWS.com. Let's take a break. We'll come back with another interview. We talked to the uh, Libman family, Andrew and Robert. They were honored by Parkland earlier this year. They have the huge cleaning supply, brooms, all of that down in Arcola. We'll tell you about that, what that was like from earlier this year, uh, next after this. Penny, for your thoughts, News Talk 1400, DWS, just kind of a potpourri Thursday. Uh, tomorrow, second hour of the uh, day, second hour of the show, last hour of the last Friday. You know what that means, flashback Friday. So we'll do that in the 10 o'clock hour tomorrow. I'll be off on Monday. There will be a Monday morning quarterback show. Scott Beatty and Lauren Tate will do that show for New Year's Eve day. And then off on uh, the 1st, no show, uh, no show for me anyway. They will have some special programming for the New Year's Day. And then we're back on the second with Scott Bennett and Tom Bennett, one Democratic state senator, the other a Republican House member over in Springfield. We ran through the list of cars discontinued in 2019. Saw this great story about a dad and his daughter. An Ohio father went to great lengths to spend Christmas with his daughter. Pierce Vaughn, a flight attendant for Delta Airlines, had to work several flights throughout Christmas Eve and day. So her father, Hal Vaughn, bought multiple plane tickets to spend the holiday with her in the sky. His story went viral after a passenger who was seated next to Hal on one of the flights shared the encounter. He said, I had the pleasure of sitting next to Hal on my flight back home. His daughter Pierce was our flight attendant who had to work over Christmas. Mike Levy wrote on Facebook, Hal decided he would spend the holiday with her, so he's flying on each of her flights today and tomorrow around the country to spend time with his daughter for Christmas. What a great father. Wish you both a Merry Christmas, that uh, flight uh, passenger added. He said he met Hal on a flight from Fort Myers to Detroit. He also told the outlet Hal had a challenging time catching each flight, but had a great time overall. He said a special day thanks to all the patient, wonderful gate agents around the country and my perfect crew. Uh, he made it on every flight, his daughter said. He even got first class tickets on one of them. <laughs> so that's a pretty cool story, huh? Dad with his daughter who had to work on an airline, flying all around the country and all of her flights. That's pretty cool. 1019 here at DWS. Speaking of cool, we had a cool visit earlier this year with the uh, Libman family, Robert and Andrew Libman, their entire family, honored by Parkland College for all their entrepreneurship and uh, all the work they've done in Arcola, the huge place down there. You can see it off of Interstate 57 and 
We visited back on May 7th, before they were honored by Parkland, Robert and Andrew Libman, about their company and the history of it. And this goes, I don't know, four or five minutes, a uh, conversation with the Libmans from earlier this year. Here you go. Congratulations on the award. That's, uh, I'm sure that means something to you, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, what, uh, when did you hear that you were going to get this? How long ago did you find out? Well, I think the past couple of years it's, it's been mentioned that they were interested, you know, in mm-hmm. talking to us, and we kind of just, uh, you know, kind of keep the low profile and didn't want to do that. But this year they kind of they got us, and we, uh, <laughs> we agreed to do it. So, yeah. but, but it's been a good experience for sure. Yeah, I mentioned that 0405 team, and uh, I know you, Mr. Robert Lidman here, were friends with Bruce Weber. You were at the, the, their daughter's wedding, right, yes. this weekend? Yes, very nice. And uh, where did they have that? Uh, in Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Yes. Wow. That's the little uh, Emily who... Yeah. I watched grew up on the on the team bus yes. over time. So, well, uh, let's talk about your company a little bit, the Libman uh, Company. For people that uh, don't know what it is, and it's based in Arcola. I know we'll go back over the history of it, but uh, a lot of people may or may not realize all that. Well, what we do today is um, uh, manufacture brooms, mops, and brushes, mm-hmm. and refills, uh, and we manufacture our own steel handles. Um, we make our own plastic parts, and we extrude all of our fibers for all of our products. So we're as vertically integrated uh, as as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say on a week on a weekly basis, we produce between four hundred and five hundred thousand brooms, mops, brushes, and refills a week out of our plant. All out of the plant in our cola. All out of our cola. Yeah. yeah. I've and always felt if I can't see it, I don't want it. So I, <laughs> I wasn't interested in two, three plants. If I walk in every morning, I walk around, I know everything exactly the way it should be, and I, that's the way I've kept it. <laughs> now, it was your grandfather who started the company, right? Right. Tell us about the, him and well, the start, I Well, guess. Let, let's go back to 1882. It's mm-hmm. really quite an interesting story, and, and receiving this award it's, I would say, kind of pushed me to think about the past and uh, uh, and where we've been, and uh, all all the way up to uh, uh, my my children joining the company. But it, in 1882, my great grandfather came from Lithuania mm-hmm. um, with his uh, with his son, who was nine years old, and mm-hmm. and uh, this son became a peddler, and one of the items he peddled was a corn broom. And which happened to be actually one of the first houseware items in the houseware industry. And being the fact that there was hardly any carpeting, all wooden floors, you know, brooms were, you know, if you've ever watched old time Western movies, what is the first thing you see as you walk into the general store? Okay. Is, <laughs> is a broom. Uh, is a bro- corn brooms in a, dis- <laughs> you know, in a display, which is right. all different shapes, different sizes. And anyway, mm-hmm. anyway, in 1892, he actually went into the brew business with his first cousin, uh, Harry France. And if you remember, or those who've lived here a long time, there was a company in Paxson, France Broom Company, mm-hmm. which moved from Chicago to Paxson after my father moved from Chicago to uh, Tuscola in uh, 1931. Um, so in, in 1896, they split up and it became the Libman Broom Company and the France Broom Company. And then it, from there on, it, it was, a, I would say every 15, 20 years, is a, it was a constant rebuilding process because you had the commodity uh, depression in, in 1921. And uh, my grandfather, uh, well, it was, broom corn is a, is a big commodity product, and he had bought a lot of broom corn. 
and overnight the price went down. So they went out of business. I don't know, it could have been a month, but they went back in and they rebuilt. And eight, nine years later, they had the 1929 Depression. So they went out again and they had to rebuild. And they never gave up. And uh, along comes the, uh, the rise of uh, Al Capone and the gangsters. And they would go from one business to another in Chicago uh, requesting uh, protection money, which it really was no protection money. They just they were uh, holding everybody up for money. And knowing my father, as I grew up with him and worked with him, he wasn't going to put up with giving anybody money if they didn't work for it. So um, they uh, the way I and this is interesting because I didn't know this until maybe five years ago, my first cousin who told me this story. My father never told me the story. Anyway, they came, and on the second floor, they threw him out of the second story. Now, use your imagination what happened. Throwing him out of the second floor made WLS News, okay? Really? Okay. And the fathers of Tuscola picked it up, and they called my dad, and they said, that we have a building for you. Uh, they invited him to Tuscola, and next thing uh, uh, is they... Uh, Moved everything overnight, literally overnight, hmm. and uh, all the machinery on the truck, and they, they had a building they set up, and the gangsters in Chicago followed them down. They found them, and they followed them down. And the city fathers, the sheriff, um, stopped them and told them, if you ever come back, excuse my language, I'll beat the hell out of you. So they never came back to Tuscola. <laughs> so they're, uh, yeah. they, uh, they, they, uh, there they are in Tuscola, which was the heart of Broomcorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, country uh, at that time, El- uh, Broomcorn had moved from east going west, and now it was in Illinois. It was Robert Libman, Andrew Libman, with us uh, back on May seventh. Uh, just kind of the history of their company. Now, of course, with a huge uh, warehouse there in Arcola that you see off the interstate, and they were honored by Parkland College for all of their accomplishments and entrepreneurship over the years. You have uh, not just brooms, but cleaning supplies and everything else. You see them everywhere. They advertise all over the Big Ten, Big Ten tournament. When they come out and wipe up the perspiration off the floor, that's a Libman product there. Anyway, I just found that uh, very, very interesting. Hope you enjoyed that. That was from back on May 7th, one of my favorite interviews of the year. 1026 here at DWS News Headlines at the bottom of the hour as we kind of look back at the last year, look forward into 2019. And I uh, want to remind you that if you have not been to the Beef House in yet 2018, you have a couple of days left, make sure you do that. Beef House features, of course, all the great steaks, everything from 8 to 20-ounce ribeyes, petite to extra-large filet mignons, New York strips, chopped sirloin with grilled onions. Maybe you like pork, you can get one or two pork chops, barbecued boneless chicken breast. A lot of people love the uh, three-piece pan-fried chicken dinner. reminds them of home. You can certainly do that. Seafood might be more up your alley, grilled halibut to shrimp to sea scallops and king crab legs, all of that. All of the sides are terrific. Baked potato, lots of butter, that's me. Probably too much butter, but hey. Uh, if you have young ones in your group, the Beef House with a children's menu as well. Includes a hamburger, chicken tenders, all of that. Make sure you uh, miss Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to our friends uh, Bob and Bonnie Wright over at the Beef House in uh, Covington, Indiana, just off Exit 4, just off the Interstate I-74. Appreciate their sponsorship again here in 2018 and looking forward to working with them as well in 2019. Here on Penny for your thoughts. Three five six nine three nine seven is our phone number. We're at ten twenty seven here on Penny on this rainy Thursday, and uh, Ted is up next. Hey, Ted. Good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, good. 
Good morning. Sorry to call in two days in a row. Don't want to be one of those people. Oh, you're fine. Loved what you said yesterday about changing the, the subject line <laughs> and uh, cars. We got Barrett Jackson coming up here in a couple of weeks. I'm from down Tuscola way, and every time Barrett Jackson's on, always nostalgia. Who had that car? Who had that car? We had the Wick down here in the late '60s, early '70s, which was a dance at the uh, at the uh, Tuscola Community Building. Larry Lou Jack would come down once a year. And uh, we had the drive-in theater, and we had the Dairy Queen, and we had the Four Seasons. And it's just you remember who had what car, and mm. this brings back great memories. And I had a friend when I worked at the coal mine in 75, 200-foot underground, $6 an hour, who had a, a brand-new Roadrunner. He's still a good friend to this day. And uh, later on, he cut up 78.9 or 80 Trans Am. And <laughs> he's... Uh, just good memories, good memories with cars, the best memories. And I had the 64 and a half Mustang also, my second car. My first car was a 61 Ford Galaxy that I hit a thousand pound steer with and killed it. Oh, Look, no. Kill me, but. <laughs> yeah, 16. Wow. But anyway, love, love the subject content and um, keep up the good work. I'm sorry yeah. to call two days in a no, row. Hey, no problem, Ted. You can call anytime, okay? Thank you. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. You too. 1029. A quick break. Tim Dippin with the news next here on DWS. Glad you're with us. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WTWS. Yes, it does. Kind of a rainy... Thursday, this afternoon, chance of rain near 100%, so it's going to continue. Glad you're with us. However, wherever you might be listening today on this Thursday, flashback Friday in the second hour tomorrow, we'll have some more open line time uh, at the end of the week here, 9 a.m. tomorrow, 9 to 11, then flashback Friday. And then, of course, uh, Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking, Scott Beatty will be in for me with Lauren Tate. We'll have a show on New Year's Eve day there, and then no uh, show for us here. That We'll have a, a special programming for January one. And then January 2, we're back at it, be it Indiana the next day, January 3rd, in Hoosier country for the resumption of Big Ten play. Line I women play tomorrow night, wrestling team up usually up at the Midlands this time of year. And the uh, winter sports at the U of I will be kicking in here in a little bit as well, gymnastics and tennis and all of that coming up. All right, uh, bowl games must find a way to combat skipping before facing extinction, talking about the number of players who are skipping bowl games. There is a long list here of uh, players that are feeling like their chances are make are good of making the NFL. And they say this is going to kill some of the bowl games, uh, You know, aside from the ones that the, the matter, the final four, if you will, the Clemsons and the Alabamas and the Oklahomas and Notre Dames. I mean, they need everybody there to play. But uh, here's the list. West Virginia's quarterback, Will Greer, is not playing in the bowl game. West Virginia's left tackle. Minnesota's linebacker, Blake Cashman, did not play in the quick lane bowl. Minnesota left tackle, Michigan State's cornerback. NC State's linebacker, skipping the Gator Bowl. A North Carolina State wide receiver. South Carolina wide receiver, Debo Samuel, skipping a bowl. Arizona State wide receiver, Oklahoma State running back, Justice Hill. Michigan has one, two, three at least, including uh, Karan Higdon skipping the Peach Bowl. Their linebacker Devin Bush also skipping the game. LSU has a defensive tackle and a cornerback. 
Houston defensive lineman Ed Oliver skipping the Armed Forces Bowl. Iowa tight end Noah Fant skipping the Outback Bowl for the Hawkeyes. That was uh, this year. Uh, last year, there were several others, a uh, handful, and back to 2016 when Leonard Fournette skipped the uh, Citrus Bowl for LSU. There were just two that year. Christian McCaffrey, who's now in the NFL for Stanford uh, when he was in college, skipped the Sun Bowl. There were two that year. One, two, three, four, five last year, and then three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen, about eighteen or twenty this year. So it is, it is up in numbers. And the, this article says you can check it out uh, in uh, West Virginia Metro News. But they say bowl games must find a way to combat this, or they're going to face extinction with some of the bowl games if the players are going to miss it. They also reminded us every year but one just to show you how things can happen and change. Every year but one, from 1934 to 1976, a team of collegiate all-stars played the defending NFL champions at Soldier Field in Chicago. In its heyday, it was one of the biggest events on the annual sports calendar. 1947-48 games drew more than 100,000 fans, thanks in part to the hometown Bears and Cardinals being the defending champions. The final edition of the game was never finished. The game was delayed by a lightning storm in the third quarter, then unceremoniously called when a mob of drunken Chicagoans made off with one of the goalposts. <laughs> At one time, though, it was probably inconceivable there would never be another college all-star game. Today, it's crazy to think they ever played it at all. Given the injury risk for both parties, particularly the players who hadn't earned their first paycheck, it simply wouldn't fly in the modern era. Which brings us to a question, it says, in 40 years, will fans look at draft-eligible players who elect to play in a non-playoff bowl game the same way we now look at the college all-star game? While it seems unlikely things will ever go that far, the powers that be in college football cannot be comfortable with the trend that's now developing. So anyway, that I uh, found that interesting as well this morning, just kind of scanning through some of the the different articles today that are available. Three five six nine three nine seven is our phone number. Just kind of a potpourri of items today. Ten thirty seven here at DWS. Got another short interview we'll do here in a moment with another one of our favorite interviewees this year. Have that coming up. Let's go to John though. Good morning, John. Uh, good morning, Brian. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, you too. Uh, glad to glad to hear you're back for. Uh, more routine, anyway, than you've been doing in the last month or so. Uh, Brian, I am trying to satisfy in my own, I cannot justify uh, what the Democrats and some Republicans are trying to do uh, to this, or what they're doing to this country, trying uh, to nail President Trump. Uh, they're just so inane and so senseless and they're willing to spend at least five years and possibly nine years, I hope, of their lives smearing President Trump. Uh, every every day uh, there's smear goes on. I don't know whether uh, everything that he does is bad as far as they're concerned. And I, they have to be smart enough to know. Well, I shouldn't say that. I, I, I doubt sometimes that how smart they are, but they have to realize that Every bullet they fire at Trump, I don't care if it hits him, it's also hitting this country. And that is the one thing 
that sticks out in my mind about President Trump. He loves this country. He he donates his salary and all that. I have, I've heard some people say, well, you know, he just got in it for the money. But all the all the damage that he's that they're inflicting on America has to produce or engender power uh, to foreign countries. That we might as well have a crack at him too. And I just I just can't imagine them thinking that or living the life of an American, a free American, and all time uh, helping to drive us towards being a socialist country. Well, it's still a couple of years from the election, but you think you'll be reelected? That was the reason I said the five and the nine, yeah. Yeah. I I sure hope that he would, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, there's there's a lot of Republicans too, uh, uh, like this. Oh, see Ryan, the Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm. I never have had the respect for him that I need because I don't think he respected the country uh, that much. There's to me, there's too many uh, Republicans that are willing to side in with the Democrats in order for to if the Democrats are able to take totally take over the government. They want to be in there as a Republican, whether they have any power or not. I, and that's, that hurts me, really. If you don't have real enthusiasm for the job and the people you're working for, you probably should be working somewhere else, you know. And uh, just, like, just like your thoughts on it, there's, you know, I could go through mm-hmm. the one to list them a hundred things, and we don't want that, but a hundred things that Trump has done that has been absolutely positive for this country well i think the thing that a he was a, he's an outsider which uh, in washington dc they do not like they do not like outsiders i mean that's uh, he certainly has uh, come in kind of like andrew jackson did all those years ago i mean he, he's turned all the tables over and uh, they, they don't like that uh that's the reason a lot of people like him and uh, that's the reason a lot of people don't like him <laughs> so he's I mean, yeah, he kind of he kind of is who he is, and people like him because he's not the normal politician, and the people in Washington don't like him because he's not a normal politician. So, and yeah. he, he, he and, and, and I, go ahead. I was going to say he throws curveballs like he did the other day, you know, where he he uh, oh sure you know yeah. signaled, hey, I'm not going to you know made the had the house to pass the the uh, funding for the wall, and and then we got where we're at, you know, with the stalemate. So, yeah, and and you know, really the. And I I am not happy to see a stalemate, but I'm happy to see a president that has the guts to stand up to it anyway. We'll see for how long. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I say, every, every volley that the Democrats fire, uh, whether they hit Trump or not, they hit this country. And, you know, you, you see the stock market going down. Now, I'm not saying that that caused the stock market to go down, but it had some it has something to do with it. And, of course, we all know about the stock market and the, the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. And, and at 10 years at, at true, there's time, for, there's time for it to go down, particularly when, when in the past year we had such a uh, rise that it made no sense. But Trump had mm-hmm. something to do with it. He didn't drive the whole thing. I don't know. No, I think there's but, a lot uh, of, you know, anticipation, uh, you know, from businesses and other groups that thought, you know, that when he was elected that there would be uh, the tax cuts and all the different things that fuel uh, investors' excitement. So that I'm sure that drove a lot of it. 
I, I just yeah. always always find it funny when people, you know, well, it's too high. It's got to come down. There's just no way. And then when it goes down, it's like, see, I told you, I told you, it's got to go down. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, well, yeah, and, well, and it, it has to. Eventually it does somewhere. And this is about the longest boom. Well, this is the longest boom market that that I really ever remember, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that there hasn't been longer. Yeah, I think but, it is. I think it, I saw the other day it is the longest one they've ever had. Ten years, yeah. yes. That that is a long time, and uh, that's the reason they say, and uh, you know, don't oh, don't get out, don't get out, don't get out, because you don't know when to get back in, mm-hmm. and and that's that's all true. But yep. yeah, ten years is a tremendous time to go with the uh, without any down. But as I say, it's the the thing that really hurts me is what is what the effects mm-hmm. of all these. Uh, insane democrats and believe me i i've 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 seen them in the last two or three years i've seen a bunch of them go from what i would call inane to insane uh and they they got one look in their eye you know i don't care what happens we get trump that's what we want all right and uh Mm -hmm. what are we going to have for a country by the time they get (laughs) by the time they take over you know all right all right thank you john uh-huh. Yep. Thanks. Good to hear from right. you, and have a good New Year. You, you too. Appreciate it. I know. Yep. Three five six nine three nine seven. You can text us Castle Heating and Cooling text line three five one five three five seven. It is interesting to me. I, and John Kasich, I think, was making. I heard a story the other day about him possibly running for a president. Uh, maybe to primary in the primary coming up in twenty twenty, and of course that'll start here before we know it by the uh, middle of next summer. But at the time, of course, John Kasich was part of Newt Gingrich's team and leadership team back in the mid-'90s, at the time considered very, very conservative. And now I would say people that on the conservative side of things would consider him a little closer to moderate in some ways. Uh, It's pretty interesting how the political... um, window moves i guess if you will over time uh jim hey jim good morning hey good morning ryan hey, I, I i'm not going to talk about politics I'm well that's fine so yeah trying so hard uh some time ago i was listening to uh jim turpin mm-hmm. talking about his sports sync radio uh, and it's, it's just a, a simple radio it's about a hundred bucks or less they're, they're about 80 bucks and they can adjust the sound back almost a, up to a minute now, mm-hmm. so that you're able to listen to the radio call and uh, and and watch the game on TV. What really got me was the Maui Invitational. It was the absolute worst calling I've ever heard. I don't think these guys even knew there was a ball game going on. So Santa Claus came through for me, and from now on, <laughs> I'll be listening to a uh, good call. From the voice of the fighting line. Well, thank you, Jim. And uh, yeah, you didn't like Bill Walton, huh? Oh my God, I, it was intolerable. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was I absolutely. Got, intolerable. I got more comments on that. Yeah, that. Uh, wow. I mean, yeah, and I, I heard some of it. I I would hear the clips of you know they'd show highlights of the clips, and every clip, you know, this was just the edited version of the highlights, and every clip he was talking about something else that had nothing to do with the game. <laughs> And if he is talking about basketball, it's the same with about all these guys on ESPN. If the, you know, if they are talking about basketball, it's Duke or Villanova. Mm-hmm. Or they don't have any idea there's a game on. It's exasperating. Yeah. 
they'll go, you know, they'll go two or three possessions without even mentioning what's going on on TV. Well, I'm and, glad uh, I'm, I'm glad you got your radio ears. You can line it up now, so that's good. Santa Claus came through yeah. for me. I, ever since well, ever since Jim Turpin was talking about, I think mm. the old ones had like a a 17 second adjustment. Mm. Now they're up to a minute, so that should just about take care of most oh. of those. And just looking for if Illinois ever plays another basketball game. <laughs> looking, looking forward to hearing. Yeah, we had four in uh, twenty-eight days now after all those games. So yeah, it's yeah. Been a little slow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, just wanted to say that and thank you. All right, thank you, Jim. Happy New Year. You you too, yep. Three five six nine three nine seven is our uh, phone number. The other thing you can do is uh, if you go to um, TuneIn, you get the TuneIn app on your phone or on your uh, iPad or whatever. It's uh, tune in, and you can get the broadcast, and that is generally way behind the television, I mean, by a minute or so. And if you have uh, whatever TV system you have, dish or whatever, um, you can, uh, if you can pause your TV, you can pause the TV enough, say they're shooting a free throw, you can line it up with the audio then as the tune in catches up, and then you can sync them that way. I've done that before with other broadcasts that I like to listen to. Uh, Anna Wall. Hey, Anna Wall. Yes, good morning. I just wanted to thank you again for the publicity you gave me. And I don't think it was just publicity. It was recognizing some of the things I tried to do in the community. And I want to also say that we are blessed to have the News Gazette in this community. It's a wonderful paper. You give, keep us informed of everything that goes on, and I want you to keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Anna Wall, and that's that's our job. So we, uh, we try to do that every day. Well, you do a good job at it, so keep it up. Thank you, Anna Wall. Thank you. Yep, yep. Happy New Year to you as well. We go from Anna Wall to uh, Susan. Hi, Susan. Good morning. Hi, Brian. Um, congratulations on your first full year as the radio show host. Well, thank you. Um, you have done a tremendous job. You're very kind. You're very patient. Um, it's interesting to listen to because you don't just let people say what they have to say and hang up. You actually generate a conversation with them. And it's just very polite. It's, it's just a, a great thing to listen to and you're doing fantastic and thank you for the enjoyment well thank you susan you made my day i appreciate that and i thank you for listening that's happy new year yeah happy new year to you too bye have a good day thank you that's uh, susan with us this morning very kind of her to do that and happy new year to susan and all of our listeners 1050 back with more in just a moment here on penny 1052 here at dws had a texter in, says the song Matchstick Men by a group called Status Quo reminds me of muscle cars of the 60s and 70s. Google that song if you would, Brian. All right, thank you. Yeah, we might be able to work that in somewhere uh, tomorrow. Uh, 3569397 is our uh, phone number. From the day-to-day operations to long-term planning, running a family business is hard work. You probably dream to see its success for generations, but the Family Business Institute Shows only 30% of family businesses survive through the second generation. To keep the family in the family business, the expert at Busey suggests five steps 
Plan early, 5 to 15 years before the transition. Communicate the plan with your family to help them see your vision and help you understand their feelings and expectations. Know your value. Overvaluing can impact uh, saleability and financial interest. Ask for help from experts to add an objective opinion. And determine your successor if it's unclear. 88% of current family business owners believe their families will take over the business in five years, but few businesses actually survive the transition. Do you have a strategy for all that? The experts at Busey can help you evaluate succession plans related to tax, legal, and estate planning issues. They'll help you identify goals and potential resource gaps, facilitate resource planning and acquisition, find the right professionals to develop a custom plan unique to you. Whatever your financial needs, business, and beyond, Busey promises the resources to help you succeed. Stop by, call 1-800-67-BUSEY, or go to Busey.com for all your financial needs, and we appreciate them being a sponsor during 2018 as well. All right, we've been looking back a little bit, some of the interviews of the year, uh, some of my favorite guests that we've had on. We had the Andrew and Robert Libman, uh, the entire Libman family. We interviewed uh, Robert and Andrew earlier this year. We had uh, Mike uh, or um, uh, Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz, who spoke at the University of Illinois. And uh, Judge uh, Michael Jones retired this year. We had him on back in uh, March, March the 6th. And he uh, related a lot of stories from his courtroom. And here was one of those. This goes a couple of minutes. One of my uh, favorite stories, if yeah. I can tell Go it, ahead, yeah. when I just started in um, uh, traffic court back in, uh, I think it was early 1997, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. There were too many people in my courtroom. You're trying to move the cases as fast as you can so you won't be there until midnight. And up comes a guy who doesn't speak English. He had an interpreter with him, but that's still time-consuming. So I swear the interpreter in and... Uh, ask her what language are we going to be speaking she says vietnamese well there's 915 judges uh in this state and he just caught the only one probably that speaks vietnamese so i'm going through the typical process with him telling him his rights what the charges are the penalties and they don't know i'm eavesdropping on uh their conversation and the interpreter's doing a great job of faithfully repeating what he said we get down to the end he's not too happy with me and he turns to her and he says, in Vietnamese, the judge is an ignorant dog. And I bristled when he said that because th my first thought was, well, I haven't been doing this job very long, but I know you can't say that to me. And then I caught a hold of myself. Mike, relax. Nobody else comprehended what he said. You haven't lost any ability to maintain respect for the proceedings or order in the courtroom. Let it go. So I did. And then as he's walking out, I'm thinking, I'm going to go the rest of my life without an opportunity like this. So as he's walking out, you know, I say to him, and I went on and I told him, goodbye, have a nice day, be careful what you say in court. And he turned around and looked at me, and if I'd have had a camera phone, I'd have won a Pulitzer Prize for the photo of his eyes, which were as big as hubcaps. <laughs> and a week later, the interpreter called me and said, Judge Jones, uh, I think you did a plenty good thing. He's plenty scared. He won't do that again. <laughs> That's a great story. Uh, Jerry Hester tells that my broadcast partner told a story about that. He spoke uh, fluent Polish. Uh huh. Same kind of thing. There were people behind oh, him from uh, playing basketball, at the, uh, playing basketball yeah. overseas, and he tells that similar type story, yeah. different area, where people were talking about him in Polish. They didn't realize he understood. So right before he left, he turned around and said something to him in Polish, and uh, it was pretty funny, so their reaction. So. <laughs> that was uh, Judge Michael Jones, who was on with us uh, earlier this year, back in March, upon his retirement. 
fact, we uh, spoke to his successor there in the uh, Sixth Judicial Circuit, uh, Judge Baum, last week. All right, so I hope you've enjoyed those. Just kind of little flashbacks to uh, earlier interviews from earlier this year, and uh, hope you enjoyed those. We'll do maybe a couple more of those tomorrow morning in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll have flashback Friday at uh, 10 o'clock. A couple of notes on this day. This is the day two years ago now that uh, Star Wars actress Carrie Fisher died of a heart attack. On this day in 2016, two years ago, she was only 60. And this is the day that uh, U.S. Army General Norman Schwarzkopf, Stormin' Norman, the Supreme Military Commander of the Coalition Forces during the Persian Gulf War in 1991, died on this day six years ago, 2012. He was 78 years old. Stormin' Norman. Remember those uh, press conferences that he gave? I mean, those were, you got to go back. If you don't have it, go back and Google those. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, all the uh, maps he had and all the different things. And he wrote a book, too. If you ever get a chance to read the book he wrote, uh, it's pretty interesting. His life story and how he rose through the ranks and made his way to become the commander of uh, what Central Command, I guess, is what it was. And then the whole Iraqi invasion of Kuwait and the subsequent events that led eventually to the victory in the Persian Gulf War. But it's a pretty fascinating storyline. But Norman Schwarzkopf died on this day six years ago today. This was the day in 1979 Soviet Union took control of Afghanistan. Did not end well for the Soviet Union back then. And happy birthday today to uh, Koki Roberts, political reporter. She turned 75. Koki Roberts, 75. And this day in 1947, the Howdy Doody Show debuted on NBC, 1947. Those are some of the things that have happened on this day. Well, it's been a busy show. It went fast. Thank you for all your contributions and your comments. Approaching a year anniversary of doing this show uh, next week. And it's been a great year, great ride here this uh, first year. Appreciate all of you and all your listenership and your support. Our uh, advertisers as well who have been with us this year. We'll have an open line for you tomorrow in the first hour, 9 a.m., and then 10 a.m. it'll be Flashback Friday, last hour of the last Friday of the month, and in this case, the last hour of the last Friday of 2018. We'll do that tomorrow in the 10 a.m. hour. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to Adam Austin for putting together our little clips today as well, looking back at our previous interviews. Let's try to stay dry and warm today, if you can, on WDWS Champaign-Urbana, 11 o'clock at the Tone. Here's CBS. <laughs>